I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's get into it. Um, Renee Stubbs, it's been a minute. What's up, Caitlin? It has been a minute. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been tweeting at me, tweeting at you, tweeting at us, um, asking the inevitable question of, when are you guys going to do another pod? And we would like to apologize to you all because we are lazy. I mean, that's just bottom line. We're not lazy, actually. That's not true. Caitlin is working uh, very, very hard on a lot of different projects and various things. I finished up my tv show uh a week just last week um we've just been busy doing other things and sometimes it's really hard for caitlin and i to actually find an hour up our sleeve to talk about tennis i will say thank you for giving us some cover renee because it's not for lack of interest or serving you the people who listen to this podcast with our insights but i do feel especially in light of what i have no doubt we're going to get into in the last uh two three weeks on the tour that we've already talked about a lot of this stuff because we saw it coming and we called Mm -hmm. it it gives me Mm -hmm. no pleasure whatsoever to say that we had highlighted a number of the issues particularly on the wta tour side of things uh months ago in fact you will be encouraged to take a a tiny Deep stroll dive. through the archives and you will be hard pressed not to find a podcast episode where we say hey everything in tennis is great from a governing body standpoint and those guys are doing great and no no critiques here because the truth is this was a slow motion train wreck it was a as we like to say in the very uneducated world a shit show down in cancun now let me start with the positives yes let's do that because I was thrilled and the WTA does, does deserve a lot of kudos for not bowing to significant pressure to send this thing to Saudi Arabia this year. That's not to say they will not send a future thing to Saudi Arabia. That's not to say that Saudi Arabia doesn't remain a very interested party in getting into tennis. Uh, they are hosting the next gen uh, tournament, I think, starting next year on the men's side. So exhibitions, et cetera. So I don't I don't think we've heard the last of Saudi Arabia. That said, given the amount of money that Saudi Arabia was reported to be offering, and given the fact that there are significant concerns among many, many stakeholders, I am impressed that the WTA did not bow to pressure and make that decision or ram that decision through, uh, but instead found a country that is very, very uh, notable in its enthusiasm for hosting tennis events, particularly women's tennis. Um, So that's a selection of Cancun 
on paper was great. Uh, I thought the color of the court was great. Um, I thought the field was great. And I thought a lot of the matches, while not the highest quality of tennis for reasons that again, we'll get into, um, you know, the field demonstrated their greatness and their ability to withstand adversity. So those are the positives. I feel like that we can say at least WTA side, because keep in mind, we're recording this ahead of the ATP final. So we don't know exactly how that shakes out. Yeah. Do you, do you leave just the negative to me? Is this, is this where we're going with this? Like you're just going to give all the positives and then you're just going to, but what did you think, Renee? Is that what you're doing to me? What did you think, Renee? Pretty much. Yeah. See, there we go. (laughs) What did you Um, think, Renee? Listen, I just cannot say enough about Mexican tennis fans in general. Okay. First of all, I'm going to start on the positives as well. Like every single night match at any Mexican tournament is just jam packed. It's awesome. The, the crowds are great. The positivity that they have, they, they're, they're, they're a fair crowd. They're fully invested in, you know, having great tennis and you didn't give that to them because you didn't provide them a uh, place to play the WTA finals where it was going to bring the best tennis out in the best tennis players in the world. When you're talking about Cancun at this time of the year, chances are you're going to get wind and rain. That's just my guess. Um, Not a great time to have it there. I'm not sure why the, you know, massed, you know, haste to get it um, there at that time of the year was a good idea. We've only played outside in the WTA finals twice in the history of the WTA finals. They've always been indoors. You think about Madison Square Garden to the LA Staples Center to indoors in Madrid to indoors in Turkey to indoors in Singapore to indoors in Shenzhen. I mean, I could go on indoors in Munich. Like I played in 13 of them. I never played outside except in Doha and Doha has a bit of an issue with wind sometimes because you're in the desert, but you're not going to get rain. You know what I mean? So yes, you're going to have some shitty matches based on, you know, some really horrendous wind conditions, which you can get in Doha. Trust me when I tell you some of the worst I've ever played in, but you're not going to get a delay in a match because of the rain. And when you have a certain amount of matches and a lot of them back to back to back to back every day, you better make sure that you get those matches done that day. And so when you take a chance of putting it outside, you better make sure that there's not going to be rain. And the fact that they built that court and the literal players of the WTA finals didn't get to hit on the main court at all until the day of the first match is absolutely fucking ridiculous. So it's outrageous. Um, you can say whatever you want. And I want to absolutely praise the, the, uh, the, the tournament in Cancun for getting the court laid down with the little amount of time that they had um, and get the facility up and running and going and the hotel and all that sort of stuff. But the players, I mean, the court was coming apart in the last couple of days. They were sanding down holes in the court, um, which it's not really the fault of the person that laid the court down. I have to say, because, and I said this to you on my tenant, on my show, my TV show, I was like, it's very hard to lay a court down that quickly in weather conditions like that and know that the court's going to be perfect. Because you're going to have rain, you're going to have wind, you're going to have all this shit. So all the, the stuff underneath the court doesn't lay properly. Because if you've ever made a tennis court, it's very scientific. You have to lay it down. You can't have all the elements like getting bubbled underneath and water underneath. And so the court, of course, is going to start falling apart, essentially. That court is going to be a, like in six months time, won't even be recognizable. So you've got to be able to have the court laid down enough time that gives it time. The Australian Open was laid down probably months ago. You know what I mean? So... Like, that's just the way it is. So the fact that you put the, the organization in Cancun under that much pressure and pissed away money out of the coffers of the WTA where they don't have money 
to put that court down and that facility is just outrageous to me. I don't understand. And then, you know, thankfully we had decent crowds at night in the latter part, but you're not giving people enough time to book their tickets, book their hotels, book someone to take care of their dogs, you know, and that they're leaving at home or their kids that are, they're leaving at home or, you know, like, like you, people plan a year or two in advance to go to an event like that. And you're not giving them that time. So you're stopping people going there and buying tickets. God love our tennis fans because bloody hell, there's a lot of people that jump on a plane and went down to Cancun at the last minute and good for you. But also, as we saw, Eliza Wascoat, I don't know if you follow her on TikTok and Instagram. She's great. She's a fantastic little watch and listen. She was like, they're going, I had to go home from watching the matches because the wind and the rain was so bad. She's like, I had to go back to my hotel and watch it on the TV. What? Like, come on. Like, so I don't know, Caitlin, you and I have been complaining about the leadership of the WTA for quite a while. And when you have a CEO, and I don't want to completely always shit on Steve because he's a lovely guy, but when you're getting paid more than the marketing dollars that are going out for the WTA, I I have a problem with that. When you are not doing your job well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, setting aside the things that are out of the control of the WTA, which is weather and wind okay uh you know part of that should factor into the decision but i just i truly don't know why they didn't pick a venue that didn't have a court already yes like there's no there's no courts or even just like an existing court that maybe you would have to put like a temporary roof over or like you know it's just it's just again what's so insane to me is just the lack of forward planning and the lack of marketing and it's the same stuff where it's like these are the best players in the world they're every one of them possessing of a great season a great dynamic game and you're really not setting them up to succeed and you're not giving any kind of conditions for people to go and support them because even though the fans want to the lack of marketing the lack of organization and then some of the stuff that's out of your control but shouldn't be out of your control like weather is just like oh like if you look at the Billie Jean King Cup which starts uh today it started I guess it's on right now uh, you know, they picked an indoor facility in Seville because there was already a court there and it doesn't matter if it rains or not. And Seville is a city that exists that people can get to. And, you know, I hope for their sake that they get a good crowd. It seems like the crowds are not bad. But again, like just looking at what the top eight had to put together in eight weeks, maybe less, like it, it's it's sort of unfathomable. And so, so for me from a just a, you said it, Steve Simon gets paid $1.3 million a year, not including bonuses. I'm sure that doesn't include his expenses, et cetera. The marketing budget is just a little over a million dollars. When your CEO makes more than the marketing budget does, you better hope that this product uh, markets itself, which as we know, with only eight weeks, it cannot. So it's just, it's just sort of like bad decision over bad decision over bad decision. And I think any industry that we're not as, I don't know, like inept, as the governing bodies in tennis are perennially proving to be, particularly the WTA, um, you just keep it moving. Like, okay, well, it didn't work out. Sorry, man, your job is over. I mean, Steve Simon has one more year on his contract, and then it's hard to imagine. Oh my God! There's no, come on, he's got it. He's got to just. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't walk into the ocean in Cancun. Just well, try to swim, swim back to Florida. Let's also talk <laughs> about the. Do you want to bring up the fact that the players have been trying to get a response? Well, yes, I would like to do that. Very much so. And also because one of the things I wrote down on my little pad to talk about today was um, no statement from Steve on Tennis Channel, didn't get on the air, 
and, and he put out a, a what a two-page thing and basically and he started it by saying hi comma what hi comma and then there was also like two i don't know if you saw because caitlin you're smarter than me the typos in the letter Oi. there was like a there was a couple of typos in the letter so Oi. i'm like first of all you're putting out a letter why are you doing that you should be on tennis channel making a statement putting it out there what happened what the deal was stop writing a letter and put it posting it out there and just being like that's good i'm good with that are you good with that i can tell you right now there was somebody that i will not mention um because i don't like to throw well actually there's a couple but a couple of people that were obviously i mean i'm friends with everybody down there and i'm getting text messages and messages from people you know some people were sending me photos of the court coming apart some people were like told me oh i ran into steve last night and he you know tried to say oh you know uh some what you know way to get through this week or what and what like you know they, they don't want to hear from him they're so over him it's ridiculous and so for his sake he should like hand his resignation in as far as i'm concerned because he's yeah. lost trust with all of these players and the fact that i know a player wrote him a letter tried to stay out of the like public shaming and blah blah wrote him a letter didn't even get a response yeah what are you you're 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 dealing with one of your best players in the world and you don't even have the audacity to like hey let's have a chat and sit down and i want to discuss that with me if i'm the ceo of the wta i am there every day i am talking to my players every day and i'm making sure that they are satisfied in what they're trying to get and i will make sure that they understand why the ramifications are or the results of why we chose things and and give it to them and i know that like for example um a, a, a czech player told me that uh, the government had given given the okay for a Belarusian to come in and play because that was the only concern because I don't think there were any other Russians. You're talking um, about how uh, Ostrava put together, uh, Ostrava Ostrava. Put together yeah. an alternate pitch to host the finals, which was and a better one, to be even better financially than what yes. the Cancun would have offered. And the hitch there was that they were not going to allow Belarusian Russian players, which would have been obviously problematic for Arena Sabalenka. But you're saying that that's not the case, and I've seen it reported no. elsewhere that that's not the case. Yes, the apparently from what I what I heard from this uh, Czech player was the government had given the okay. Now it happened we we, we had the situation with Zvonareva coming into play. I think it was in Prague or it might have been Ostrava. I'm not sure. It was somewhere in the Czech Republic, and they turned her away. Mm-hmm. And at, at the last minute, she didn't know. And I'm like. Well, she probably should have known, first of all. But second of all, if it's out there in the public and the and the government has said, no, we will allow it, we'll make an exception on this one tournament uh, because of whatever reasons, how can you not put it there? It's an amazing, I mean, and, and nothing against Mexico because as I've already stated, I want more tournaments in Mexico and the support was amazing at night. But we're talking about solid crowd support, indoors, getting it done on a timely basis. Instead, they're playing a final of a WTA finals on Monday. And then some of those players are flying to the Billie Jean King Cup and having to play the next day. Like, what the fuck? Like, really? It's 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 upsetting. And I think, it again, it speaks to what are we doing as a sport if we aren't listening to our top players who are taking it upon themselves to not only prepare themselves for the tournaments, play their best, make an incredible effort. Obviously, they have sponsor obligations. Their lives are very complicated and unpredictable. To go out of their way to try to get the leadership to lead like it's unacceptable and 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 kudos to the women um in particular on the tour who have been very vocal and trying very hard mm. to just you know make the case and also you know i think they've been quite understanding like they've been pretty good sports and so i saw a lot of um i saw a lot of blowback this week including from ben rothenberg who was like oh it's not a good look to complain 
Um, if you're there, these women shouldn't be complaining. They should be supporting the tournament. It's kind of like, you know oh, what? Uh, give me a break. No chance. No chance. If I'm there as a WTA top eight player and I've worked my ass off all year, I've supported your tournaments. I've gone and played your mandatory WTA 1000s when I don't want to fucking play because I'm injured or I'm tired. You're forcing me and you're also fining me. Okay. And I know several players that were like one player that wanted to play an exhibition before Wimbledon, but was you know told, oh, you have to play this. And, and then they were given permission. I was I can tell you a million stories from behind the scenes that I won't because I know agents and I know players and I know the, the, the history of, of this tour. Um, and I'm super supportive of the tour. You know how I feel about this. A lot of my friends work there. I only want to support the WTA tour. Tennis is my favorite sport, clearly. And I want it to succeed. But when you keep having these absolute complete cock-ups and you're forcing players to play those events to support your tour, but then you your job is to make sure the best tournament in the year that you control as a WTA yes. is absolutely shit. That is on you. Sorry. Okay. So, no, so you know what? Those players bust their ass to be there and maybe don't want to go and play back-to-back -back weeks in Canada and Cincinnati because they're tired, but you're forcing them to because it's in the rules of the WTA. You must play a mandatory. You get a zero point and that hurts your ranking and blah, blah, blah. And you forcing them to go and play those tournaments and yet you're not prepared to put on a tournament at the end of the year that is worth the work that they have put in for the year for you. Yeah. And I mean, I say for you because yeah, they're abiding by your rules all year long and then they have to abide by that at the end of the year. Uh, hell no. And also no, hell look, no. not, not for nothing, but also like the fans didn't get a particularly good experience. Like I was pumped to watch. No, terrible. Jesse Pagula. I was pumped to watch Arena Sabalenka. I was pumped to watch, you know, Marketa Vondrosova. I was pumped to see Ons uh, and, and Iga and everybody. And the fact is like the, you know again the weather was unfortunate but it's just it's a it's a bad product if it, the stands are empty the players are obviously having a bad time and it the the frustration is leaking out of every you know out of every pore with everybody and I, I think you know again like after this exceptional tennis season where we saw Iga winning slams Sabalenka winning slams Coco winning her first slam like tennis could not have been on a bigger high after this summer with Coco, Carlos Alcaraz, Coco. record set, but Coco in particular, you know, and I think just not people not knowing this thing was on, people not being able to watch it, people not being able to visit it, you know, and Cancun's not like an unfamiliar place that people can't figure out how to get to, particularly in North America, to go support North American players. Um, you know, I don't need a lot of excuses to go to Mexico and yet, and yet, and yet. And so I think, you know, for me, it's just, you know, what was really unfortunate about it is, you know, I've heard you talk about playing the WTA tour finals in Madison square garden with, a with the roof coming off because people are so pumped to be there and you're seeing the best players in the world and it's the end of the year and you're, you're watching a spectacle. That's what the WTA tour owning this event should be considering. And I just, again, yeah. I don't know why that's something that they are I, I have some guesses as to why they're failing, but it's but at this point it's kind of like okay, you ha absolutely have to accept responsibility and make a change because otherwise, what are we doing here? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Listen, the number one sponsor of the WTA2 is Hologic, which has been fantastic. That that sponsorship deal came about from Coco Vanderway's boyfriend playing golf with a dude on a golf course in San Diego. Like sure. nobody from the WTA even brought that deal in. Like, so, you know, uh, say what you will, um, blah, blah, blah. They're getting their paychecks paid because some guy played golf with some guy, you know, who wasn't even a part of the WTA tour. So um I'm, you know, look, you know, I snapped when it came to the Madrid trophy ceremony. I've said it, you know, on a couple of other podcasts and things like that. But the the, the trophy ceremony in Madrid where they didn't allow the players to talk um, after their little shenanigans from Sabalenka kind of giving them shit the day before in the singles final. Um, and Iga, I think it was Iga. Was it Iga? No, it was Sabalenka for sure. But, yeah, I'm like. And uh, yeah, and Azarenka. Yeah, and Azarenka. And so when you and you had Azarenka in the doubles final the next day with Hadash Maya and you had Coco and Jessica Pagula. So you've got essentially four of your best singles players in the world, you know, multiple Grand Slam champion and, you know, a future Grand Slam champion and Hadash Maya who won, you know, the Zhuhai tournament, which, by the way, was 10 times better than Cancun. Um, the Zhuhai tournament was awesome. Let's talk a little oh, it was bit awesome. about that. Amazing matches. Amazing matches. Uh, seemed like the crowds were really into it. We got a first time winning Hadaj Maya, who had a great end of the season, despite nearly, uh, I don't know, chopping her hands in a girl, the queen, uh, Q, Kin Wen Cheng. Uh, Cheng won the, uh, got to the final, had she a great end a of the great year. Tournament. After, getting, after getting dumped by uh, Win Facet, Win Facet which she was not happy about. And I don't blame her because that was some bullshit. Sorry. That was some bullshit. While we're on the subject of Chin Wen, gets dumped by Wimps Facet, who's going back to um, Naomi. Naomi Osaka. Chin Wen just goes on a tear. She's like, fuck this. And just decides to win the Pan-Asian Games. Gets to be the number one player in all of Asia on the women's side, on the trophy stand, along with our favorite ZZ in the men's. And basically doesn't lose a match until the finals of the WTA elite trophy in uh, against Hajaj Maya, like hats off. Like she was doing some Angela Bassett, you know, like waiting to exhale, sort of like, you know, setting a car on fire stuff, which I really appreciate. And I guess like, you know, not wanting to throw a women's son under the bus, who seems like a lovely guy. Like that's not cool really though. I, huh? will. I, will. I, I think what he did was not good. Look as a coach and, you know, but, but he, had to know. Here's my thing, and I would like to talk to him, so I don't want to completely throw him under the bus. <clears throat> and I haven't spoken to him. But when you sign a contract, which he clearly did with Kinwen, and she knew, and she was like, "Okay, we're going to be playing the whole year, and you're under contract." And da da da. 
And then you pull the Swifty and go back to, and not a Taylor Swift, um, but you go back to Naomi. You knew Naomi was coming back. We all knew Naomi was coming back. Naomi said she wanted to start playing at the Australian Open. This was months and months and months ago. So why would you sign that contract knowing that Naomi's probably going to come back? Like I would have said to, I would have said to Q, listen, Naomi comes back and decides to play in January. I'm going back to her, but I'll give you six months. Like, that's yeah. I would have said that. I did that with Sam when I was working with uh, during the pandemic, and I worked with Jeannie Bouchard. And I said to Jeannie, "Look, I, my my obligations are to Sam. I am working with Sam, but Sam's not traveling because of the pandemic, so I can travel with you for X amount of time. And I would like to do that, and I would like to spend the time with you. But when Sam comes back, she's my priority. And so I was upfront with Jeannie, and then we went ahead and did what we did, and she had success and all that. And Sam came back, and I went back to Sam. But you have to be upfront when you're a coach in that circumstance. And so to sign a, a contract and then go, I'm going back to Naomi because I feel like she's going to win more than you are and pay me more. Cause clearly it came down to money because word on the street is that Wim likes the cashola. And it's some of the reasons why a lot of people have flicked him, you know, mm-hmm. with, that, that have had success is like the demand for more money. And it's like, okay, listen, if that's what you want your reputation to be, then good for you, but right. not, not cool. Just brutal, especially when you're watching a, an up and coming talent at a really critical part of their career um, really take off. But you know what? Shin Wen proved that she doesn't need Wimpeset. She, she's doing just fine. And no, she's up. good either way. And if she wants another coach, I am currently free. Well, uh, maybe let's make that happen because uh, obviously she's got a lot of fans, myself included. Uh, we should, as we always do, but as a footnote, maybe talk about the men a tiny bit. Obviously, they were in Paris this week. No, yes. again, uh, his oh, well, 1, let's 000, you know what, 1000 Masters 1000 title. Couple of couple of things. Let's start with the positive first. Incredible week okay. from Novak comes back after you know, US Open place. You know, this is where these players, when they get older and they get they're better, they just can pick and choose the tournaments they want to play. And so I think he did such a smart thing knowing he'd had a long year. He's having a fantastic year, wins the US Open and just decides to play, you know, and win Paris because yeah, why not? Why not? An ATP 1000. Um, and he will he will win the the ATP finals again. I, I'm fairly certain of that. I think the only person that can beat him is maybe Sinner. I think he's playing that well. Um, I give uh, Yannick Sinner a ton of credit for his, the last couple of months. He's played really well. Very yeah. disappointing for him at the US Open when he lost, I know. Um, and I think Darren um, and that team has done a really good job of getting him just, he's just better and better. And he's going to, and he needs to implement coming into the net a little bit more, drop shots, all the things that Alcaraz can do because he has the baseline game for sure. But he has to have that little bit of variety. And I think that that's the only way he sort of can beat someone like Novak. He has to have a bit more variety and come into that, something that Alcaraz does when he's healthy. Um, So I think Yannick Sinner is going to win a Grand Slam next year, or if not next year, within the next 24 months for sure, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's so good and he's such a great guy. Um, Alcaraz, my only concern is these injuries that keep popping up. I'm telling you, it's going to, it's not good. And I think it's going to really hurt his career if he doesn't get it under control. Um, but Novak, unbelievable. But can we talk about when we're going to give shit to the WTA? Can we give some shit yeah. to the ATP? Absolutely. What are, you doing? what are you doing scheduling six matches on a centered one court? Like, no, it's terrible. What? When it's a medium slow court, clearly, or at best medium, and these guys are playing 50 ball rallies. They're lasting three hours because they don't have wind and rain to deal with. So they're right. like actually <laughs> playing real tennis. Right. And it's like they're three hour matches and you're playing six of them on a court. And you, you, you wonder why Yannick Sinner finishes a match at 
10 to 3 in the morning, doesn't get to bed till probably 5-ish, and doesn't come back and play that same day? Are you fucking out of your mind? What are they doing? Uh, Again, what are we doing to optimize the player experience? What are we doing to optimize the fan experience? how, How should we... I get why you want to sell night tickets and have an extra session. The night ticket situation in tennis has been, I think, long a problem. And I get why all the slams are now starting to do it. I get why the tournaments are doing it. But Caitlin, the night session is fine. If you're starting it at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., uh, 7 p.m., that's okay. Like you yeah, get used but to that in when you have six like- matches a day, the night session becomes a problem, doesn't it? And so for that's me, right. make the tournament a day longer. Uh, I don't know. Like, again, the... the no. No, just Make do not fast. six matches, my friend, on one fucking court, okay? Yeah, I have played make- a billion, mate, I've played a billion indoor yeah. matches, okay? And I, being, you know, predominantly put on often last on on center court as a doubles player, right? Because they always play a singles ma- a match at seven. And then they, you know, in case something happens to singles, they always want to have a match. So they often used to put doubles second on. So I would go on the court all the time at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I'm like, eh, fuck it. That's what I deal with. And that's what it is, right? right? But when you're playing six singles matches on an indoor court, yeah, you ain't getting off the court until 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., which is what happened. So how is that even happening? And you talk about the fan experience. It's, yeah, I mean, there was amazing. I couldn't believe how many people were still there at 2.30, 2.45 no, morning to watch the match. But yeah. you expect a player to come back that same day and play a match when he has an ATB finals in a week in Turin in his home country. He yeah. ain't putting himself at risk. So you you fucked yourself by having terrible schedule. You lost one of your best players because um, he pulled out. And what are you doing to help the future of your tour by doing something like that is outrageous. So there should be another court, play a match on another court, or that's it. I mean, I just, I I literally was sitting here, Caitlin, at home. Um, You and I live in New York. And I'm looking at the scores on the AT website, you know, WTA ATB website. And I see that Cinna is a set, uh, like 2-1 in the third. I'm like, what? It was like, I don't know what the time was, maybe eight o'clock at night here in New York. Yeah. I'm like, oh my what, God. What? Yeah, I'm 2 like, a.m. Not. So I text Darren Cahill and he texts me back. He goes, yeah, it's still happening. I go, what? Hang on. It's 2.30 yeah. in the morning. You're How is it? He goes, mate, it's so fucked up. No, unconscionable. There's no, and for what reason, right? Like, uh, obviously these matches are important. Obviously there's a lot on the line, points and money and, and you know, prep for the, for the ATP tour finals. But again, to your point, like if these tournaments are meant to connect to each other, if this is meant to be a season, then having some compassion for the bodies of these players, especially to your point, 30, 40, 50 ball rallies over the course of three hours for three set matches. These are three set matches. This is not a best of five competition. And yeah, I'm good for center for honestly pulling out and saying something like, I think what, if nothing else, this year has shown us from a, sort of blatant disregard for player voice and safety in a lot of cases and health, which is just go on strike guys, go on strike, do it together and figure out what's important to you. One thing that I am a little disappointed about is whenever the players complain, they tend to complain about prize money to me. Fine. uh, If you're going to go after the tournaments that make a ton of money and get, especially the slams and get a proportion of that prize money, but more it's the working conditions and it's the power to set your own schedule. To me, that seems like way more of an issue, right? The idea that to your point, when we were talking about the women, like 
these tournaments are mandatory. These tournaments uh, come with fines if you don't show up. These tournaments, you know, need to play into each other in a way that creates a season. And so when you're creating these schedules and you're denying players the opportunity to maybe go do an exhibition to earn money, or you're denying them the ability to go home and rest ahead of something that's important, unless you're Novak and you can just kind of skip chunks of the tournaments, then you're jeopardizing ultimately your product and your workforce. And for what, you know, for, for, to have one better name in a tournament uh, uh, week in, week out, I would just sort of argue like the players, I think also need to hear, like, it's not always just about prize money. It's about changing the structure of the tour. And I would love to see them tackle more structural things as opposed to like, we need more money. And it's like, well, sure. But exactly. Well, it's no, I think it's more about like having a voice and, deciding where the organization goes. Well, that was sort of one of the things I wanted to mention about the WTA in Cancun and also with this situation in um, Paris is that there needs to be stronger leadership for the players. And, you know, I know that there's players on the player board at the WTA, right? I'm sure the same with the ATP, but the people that are representing the players and some of them are ex-players that are gone into business and all, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And and honestly, listen, don't take offense to this players that may listen to our podcast from time to time, but we're not the smartest. We're not business savvy. We're not like, but yes, you know, you, you know, I know you play college tennis, Caitlin, but you're a journalist. Like you have, you're, you know, your brain's ticking a little bit different to some players that are playing on the tennis tour. And I put myself in that category. I'm no dummy, but listen, uh, you know, when it comes to business, when it comes to, you know, TV rights, I mean, the fact that Steve didn't, you know, go into bed with the ATP tour on that TV, t- tennis TV deal. What? Now you're doing what? Like, what are you yeah. doing now? You're in bed with the WTA, who, uh, the tennis channel now, who are like putting pickleball over your matches? What? And, and the ATP are doing great with their TV uh, uh, rights they're they're killing it we could totally. have been a part of that but, the but Steve, been a part of that. Yeah. he decided no no it's not long enough it's not whatever the reason was he decided to go against it so in on on that decision alone he should lose his job okay because the a, the a to b are killing it with that t- tennis tv deal so it's like so when you've got that i don't understand why we don't have better player representation because we should have players represent represented by people that really are business savvy and who also understand the sport and their players and not players players shouldn't be the ones going into the billboard me and go this is what we want it's like because they don't really know the nuances of like structure and business and all that sort of stuff so unless you've got a player that's an ex-player that's coming back and really fighting tooth and nail because i know some of the people that represent the players they're not doing that so that's where we need to step up as an association we need to have better player representation the ptpa they're, they're, they're quite aggressive in their wording. They're quite aggressive in some of the things they're doing. And I know some players that are not so super cool about and keen about getting support, like supporting that because of some of the people that are speaking out on their behalf. Um, I know that from sort of undertones, but at the same time, there needs to be better player representation when it comes down to it. Speaking of player representation, Caitlin, and we'll get off the ATP two of finals. We'll wrap that up once it starts playing. Um, but and oh, I do want to say, and I did post this on my Instagram, that you and I did pick essentially the finalists of the WTF finals. You picked Pagula to win the tournament. I thought she was going to have a great tournament. And I did say yeah. she was going to flip around what she did not do the year before, which was win a match. And I knew she would flip around and play much better this season. But I just gave the edge to Eager. But we both predicted the final. But I have to say, when it comes to surprises over the last week, 
what about Patrick Mortaglu coming out and basically finally saying, oh, it was my fault and my teams? With Hallop. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think it was overdue to sort of say like, hey, listen, at the end of the day, if you're kind of like we were talking about Steve Simon, if it's your event, you take the lumps. If it's your player and the team giving her supplements was your player and under your care, you have to take the lumps. I think that that's part of it. Like if you're a coach who's working with a player and they have a terrible season, part of it is just, hey, it didn't work out. It, it uh, I take responsibility. This was my my goal. So kudos to Patrick for for speaking on it. Um, obviously that whole situation is super super messy. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of surprised it took this long and I wonder what prompted the, uh, the outreach. Do you have any insight in, in terms of what, whether something changed from his perspective? I have no insight into why he decided to come out now, but I agree with you. It is too little, too late. Like, and unless he's saying it now with the CAS, um, you know, the, the CAS uh, arbitration or whatever you call it coming out where they have to go in front of them and hopefully they get a little bit more of a lenient sentence. Um, and he's trying to put it out now for that particular um, uh, court battle. Uh, maybe he thinks it might sway CAS into saying, yep, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but her, her, um, her passport was a little unusual. I don't know. I just feel like, when a player has played 10 years on tour and is being tested ad nauseum, like all of us are. Um, and, you know, you clean, 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 clean all that time you played. I mean, she would have been tested a million times in all the tournaments that she played or, and, and off season and out of competition, which we all have to do. Um, and you have your whereabouts forms and you have to tell them where you are every single day and they can come and test you at any time. Um, and then all of a sudden you change teams and within six months, and she was dealing with a lot of injuries. Remember the calf muscle is- issue she was having yep. and various different things. And they probably were trying to figure out a way to help that recover with that calf muscle injury. And I don't know, I'm completely speculating, which I probably shouldn't do, but I have to think that maybe they were trying to get that injury going and fixed and get her back on track. And maybe they felt that you talked about collagen and yada, yada, and brought that into her, you know, trying to get that into her system and, and it fucked her over. And I don't know. I mean, you and I have different kind of feelings towards this, but I just, I don't know. I just don't see her as somebody after all this time that goes, yeah, I need an edge now. I just, I mean, I, my opinion is, and it's just that it's not an educated opinion, but my opinion is that I'm glad Patrick addressed this. I definitely, um, you know, think that the team and the responsibility therein was obviously like, you know, his team was involved in this, but I also think like um, her repeated tests, like it doesn't look good for her. And I, and I know that you're speaking from a perspective of knowing Darren and well, it's not repeated tests. It was one test. No, 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 there was more than, there was more than a few. It wasn't just one test. And for that reason, the levels and the, well, it was the passport test that that they came back on that they really went hard on her, and it was the... she was she was charged with two separate breaches, and again there was one that they really went hard on. But again, I just I don't yeah, but it know. was one I believe I was believe I, I we probably should know this information before we put it all out there. But I believe it was the one test was positive at the U.S. Open, and um, that's the two batches that they did of the same urine test. And then they found an anomaly in her passport because they went back or whatever, and they decided that there was some anomalies with her blood passport. So those that's where you're getting the two from. 
Am I correct yes, in saying you're that? right. There were two yeah. separate cases. Um, yes. But she had not previously failed the drug test. It just, yes. it, there was so there enough irregularity. Yeah, but, but there was enough irregularity that there were a couple of different irregularities is my point. Like it was irregular. The passport was irregular and the, I don't know. My, my, I don't want to. We, we, we feel the same. I, I think we feel like I think we feel like. Look, there's always going to be amb ambigu no, ambiguity. No, that's not how I feel. I don't feel like there's not going to be ambiguity. It right. feels like something was something wrong happened here for sure, and it doesn't feel like it was a mistake. That's my opinion. I I I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is I don't think that she was like, yes, I'm going to do this. This is going to help me. Uh, I know it's against the rules. I think that she took it thinking that they were like, yeah, this is good for you. You're all good. Because yeah. also I, I do really trust Darren Cahill's um, opinion on this. And when he was coaching her for a number of years, he was adamant that she was adamant about everything she put into her system was okay. She, he was like, she would not ask once. She would ask five times. Are you sure this is okay? Are you sure this is okay? And Darren, of course, you know, loves Simona and, and is like a second daughter to him. And he respects the hell out of her. But for him to go on the record and say, this is just something that is so against what she, what I knew as her as a tennis player, whenever we would give her anything or someone would give her a new drink or sports drink or a, something to eat or take, or, she was adamant that it was okay. Now, he didn't need to come out and say that. He could have just like laid low and said, you fucked up, you left me and you went to Patrick Maritaglu and you paid the price. He could have been petty, but he didn't. He came out and said, this is how I know Simona. And so for me, that, I, that stands a lot. It, I, 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 that makes a big difference for me, hearing that okay. from Darren. And I'm not cool. saying it's, he, he knows everything for a fact, but that's his perspective. Okay. So, well, I think that's valuable. And I think, again, like I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's sad. I mean, obviously the, uh, one of the best players in the world who's got uh, a slam is not on tour because of this. And I think that's always a bummer. Um, okay. We should probably wrap it up because uh, it's been a minute, but we should also get back in the studio to talk more as the season progresses um, but I'm glad we have, look, more than anything else, I'm not glad we called it with regards to the leadership of the tennis, but it's at this point, it's the jokes on you guys. Like you, we're just talking on a podcast. Like you guys are the ones who have to clean yourselves up from this mess. So get it done, get it done, get Everybody it done. And waiting. you know what? I don't even want to talk about the WTA digital side of it with their website and their, all this. I mean, don't. I could have gone on forever, but we don't need to, because we've done it all year. And as you said, we don't like to be right, but we were right. On this one it's, again and i hope right. it's not there's yeah, someone it's no i don't want to be right i'm so over being right with the wta i want to be so wrong yeah. i want to only be right when i say how great this product is and how great our leadership is and how great everything is and that's then right. i'll be really happy and i'll stop bitching okay that's right. so no hashtag dick kicks anymore okay but as far as i'm concerned leadership at the top needs to change okay right. and so that's that's my point all right caitlin it's been great it's been real it's been a while I know. But I'm sure that our listeners are really loving the fact that we came with the hammer today. <laughs> we always do. All right. Until next time, Renee. And thank you everybody for being patient with us. We'll be back soon. Uh, keep listening. Keep giving us your feedback. And uh, yeah, well, here we are. We're just telling it like it is per the usual. And Viva Mexico. Okay. Like, I don't know if anyone saw uh, Iga Shiontek's little celebration last night on her Instagram where she sucked in the helium and went, Mexico.
Did you see that? I'm, I'm going to go look at it now. I don't see Eager being a big drinker, so I guess helium was her way to like celebrate. But um, anyway, amazing. It was it was pretty funny. But uh, anyway, all the Mexican fans, we love you. Thanks for going and being awesome fans. And uh, hopefully the WTA gets together for the WTA finals next year. Until later, when we report on the ATP finals, it's been real. Thanks, Caitlin. Bye, Bye. everyone. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 